All right, so welcome to another episode of Language for Liberation. I'm your host, Bakari Ibrahim, a.k.a. OG Baka, and I'm joined by my great philosopher co-host, <laughs> Mr. Barrett Holmes Pittner. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. You know, just, uh, just doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, you've kind of been on a, I, I can't say a world tour, but you've been on like a virtual tour, uh, you know, speaking and getting involved with people lately, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I, I guess so. It's, it's, it's a funny thing happening. Like, people seem to think my stuff makes sense now. And so now I have to talk to people about it, which is a cool thing. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you know, you've known me for, you know, almost two years now. And you remember when only you and like a handful of other people were interested in what I had to say. Um, and so, so yeah, no, I, I, I have to talk to people uh, and in important places every now and then about my, my ideas. No, I dig it. I dig it. Well, um, you know, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I wanted to, you know, I've been looking through, you know, the latest words that you released through the newsletter, um, through the word. And, you know, this week's word was really powerful to me in many different ways. Your word, uh, lapel duvid. Uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But, you know, the definition being the call of the void. Um, yeah. So tell, tell me a little bit more about like this word. How did you, how, first, how did it come into your realm? Like, you know, how did you discover this word? Despite being, you know, a, a philosopher, a linguist, I have friends who speak more languages than I do, and they're more well-traveled. And so one of my friends, Nick, just one day just casually said the phrase. Like, I think I was talking to him about heights, and I'd always had this weird sensation when I'd be in a high place that I was more scared of going nuts for a split second and jumping off than, you know, slipping and falling to my death. And I, I think I was like, you know, I think I was, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word to say, but I didn't want to tell people cause I thought that was just like a crazy problem yep. to have to deal with. You don't just kind of, you know, if you don't, you don't want to walk up to people and be like, yeah, you know, whenever I'm in a high place, sometimes I just think about jumping off to my death, you know? And, and uh but yeah I, people could take that a lot of different ways <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so so i then casually told uh nick this and he said oh that's lapel david the call mm -hmm. of the void and i was like there's a name for this this is this is a thing and he said yeah it's just lapel david it's you know like philosophers french people have have been like analyzing this this concept this for for this feeling for years and i was like that's fascinating and i i think before i i talked to i said it i mentioned it to nick i i was talking to my mom and i told my mom the same thing and she was like oh yeah i have the same thing and so i think i felt like less like a crazy person mm -hmm. after like i found out that my mom and i had uh, similar a similar feeling. thing I, I really related to the article um, because I have I have very similar feelings about heights. You know, when I go on vacation or even when I'm in high places. I remember being in the CN Tower in Toronto, and when they walking over like the hole in the floor, or even being in the Sears Tower in Chicago, like I was like, nah, I'm not, like I don't want to look down. Or even like being on vacation with balconies and like that first look over, I'm like, nah, I'm not. This is not cool. Um, <laughs> but what was fascinating about yeah. your what was fascinating about your article was that. The idea that there are moments where we don't listen to ourselves or we shouldn't listen to ourselves and kind of like the difference in how 
that manifests at different times. You know, when I thought about that, you know, I mentioned to this to you before the call, but the idea that people always say, you know, go with your gut, you know, and that, that will tell you what to do. But often when you think about the vices that we have or just the bad decisions that we make in order to make ourselves feel good in the short term, it, it makes me think, are there times where we don't listen to ourselves that we are doing better for ourselves and is responding to pressures of community or balances of the community sometimes better for us? You know, so that was a, that was a thought I had on that, but, but what are your thoughts? You know? Yeah, no, like it's very true. Like the, the thing when I first learned about Lapel David or the call of the void that intrigued me when people would like the analysis was that the fear wasn't the fear of heights. Like the frightening part of it wasn't that you're in a high place. The frightening part Mm -hmm. was that there was a voice in your head that you couldn't trust. And now how do you reconcile that? And how does, you know, that's because, you know, the, the, the premise, especially with like a very individualistic society is that the person you can trust is, is yourself, you know, like you're all, you're an individual. You got to trust yourself, trust your gut, da, 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 da. And Lapel David kind of put that on its head where it's sometimes you can't trust yourself. And that's a good thing. Uh, because if you trusted yourself in this moment, you'd be dead. Um, right. The part that makes it so key is that when you're in that situation, a high place, or like an example uh, that we also mentioned is like when you're driving a car, like, you know, sometimes you have- Oh yeah, sometimes you just want to like go into the other lane. <laughs> 100%. You're just like, you get that urge, like, it's like a tractor trailer, a tractor trailer pulls up right next to you and you're like, what would happen if I went under that tractor trailer, you know? Like, mm-hmm. these are ideas that happen all the time. But we, we only really pay attention to them when it's like a life or death. And you realize like your brain is telling you something that if you did, you would die. And you go, whoa, that's a problem. But there's so many other times in life throughout your day where your brain tells you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. And it, yeah. there's a, the amount of people that I bump into that when they're walking down the street, they'll hear someone say something and they're just like, I just want to punch them in the face, you know? It's yeah. like, and so don't. <laughs> you brought this up in the, you brought this up in the newsletter because it's like it, you you went through this thing of conscious conscience versus consciousness. Yeah, and you know a lot of what we're talking about right now are those decisions that were categorized as knowing as our conscious or you know the the devil on the shoulder, the right the angel on the other shoulder, and saying you know oh you shouldn't do that like you know when it's like yo should I rob this person or like should I like. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, it's like, because I'm thinking about it in terms of criminality, you know, most of what we do in terms of what could be done in terms of criminality for a lot of people is stopped by just the consequence of what would happen or how they would be perceived as a person by the greater, mm-hmm. you know, totally. audience, you know, for why, why that is. But your article introduced the idea of there is no, you're on a retreat and, there, and your mentor said to you or the, the person mm-hmm. leading said, there is no conscience, but there is consciousness. Right. Uh, so can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So, you know, like a key thing with, if you think of conscience, at least how I've been taught about conscience is that there's just like a voice inside of you that is there to put you on the right path. And like, we all just like have this innate, inexplicable 
conscience. And if somebody does something bad, we will say like they have no conscience, you know, like right. they, they didn't listen to their conscience. Right? Yeah, They don't have that magical thing inside them that just tells them how to do good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've always like that idea. I just always thought was kind of strange, to be honest. Like what, how can we really base so much on like what is going to make someone good or bad off mm-hmm. of a thing that's inside them that we can't prove exists, but we are quite confident that it's there and it's going to tell them to do the right stuff consistently. Not like 50-50. We're talking like- All the time. Like all the time. It's got, it's like such an absurd idea. And so, you know, when this person asked the, the guru at this retreat this question, and he just really quickly just like dismissed the idea of a conscience and instead mm-hmm. said consciousness. And, and this is a, an interesting bit of like trivia, but apparently in French, the word conscience, it means consciousness. And so like there, maybe mm-hmm. there's like this weird like linguistic distinction that happened from like in English that like mm-hmm. had the two words break apart or something. Interesting. But like consciousness is all about your surroundings, your awareness. Um, and so like what makes you good isn't what isn't just like this magical thing that's inside you. It's actually your connection to the environment around you and doing right. actions that keep the environment going. And so I really liked that idea. And it, it, it makes it easier to figure out because, you know, I think we all know people that have good intentions mm-hmm. and but like what ends up making them like not good at something isn't that they have malicious intent it's just that they're not aware of what's needed and so therefore they don't right. do what's helpful they you know they they become more of like a hindrance than a help even though they're trying to do something good the whole time it's not because like their conscience is not helping anybody it's really just making them feel good while they're doing something bad. I, so I like I think a lot about consciousness. And, and prior to this, we you and I were talking about about soccer a little bit. And like I make a lot of soccer analogies because I think mm-hmm. sport is like a cool example of like philosophy, especially soccer. But like to be a good soccer player, having awareness is really mm-hmm. really key. Like knowing right. where you are on the field, knowing where your teammates are being able to like the quicker you have that awareness, the, the quicker you're able to make the right pass or go to the right space or do the right mm-hmm. thing. And it's not really dependent on, on necessarily like how fast you are or how strong you are or how tall you are. You know, like I, right. like even to this day, like when I was a, when I played soccer and I wasn't like the best player, I'm not trying to say like I could have gone pro or anything, but like I was more of like a cerebral type of player that just kind of mm-hmm. like, knew how to like use space pretty well but like american soccer doesn't really care about awareness as much right. <laughs> and so they you it's know, more of an individual it's like more with a, everything yeah it's, a, it's, it's very individualistic. So like like what i was good at was something that people just didn't think was good <laughs> yeah you know yeah. that 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 leads me to like my next point you know where later in the newsletter you say you know i think you bring the distinction between i think therefore i am versus ubuntu's I am because we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really dope, you know, even trailing off of the conscience versus consciousness conversation, because 
you know, maybe people in our audience will relate to me in this way, but, you know, growing up, you know, my parents or my grandparents would always say to you that, you know, your conscience is God talking to you. And would you honestly, would you not listening to yourself, your conscience is God talking to you that says, don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people may also know that I am is a name for God in some languages and ancient languages. Um, and I am being something that we call ourselves. I, it always related to me that we are in fact God in some way. So when you take Ubuntu, and you look at I am because we are, it brings us back to the godliness in all of us and how all of us then feeds who I am, which from a community standpoint, that's extremely powerful because it makes me think about how who I am as a person or the philosophies that I follow or how I carry myself in my lifestyle is directly reflective of the people that are around me. So not only am I like the people around me, but they are like me. And what we then bring into ourselves then becomes the seeds that's sown in our communities, right? Yep. Whether it's good or bad. So I, that was one thing I took away. And so that also draws me to another point, which was about discipline. Because right. uh, uh, in the latest season of Rami, show on Netflix, um, show on Hulu. So yeah, Rami is a show about a guy from Egypt who's constantly battling with his Muslim religion. And so in the latest season, um, he meets with a black imam who's telling him, he's kind of like taking him on his path of Islam and kind of explaining to him how, why there are so many rules in religion or why they discipline in, in the Islamic faith. And he says to him that, you know, it's like an or discipline is like an orange and that it has a tart outside exterior that's tough, but it protects a sweet core. And my discipline, my rigidness on the outside protects not only myself but my people and it I thought that too I tied that back to the you know this uh lapel du vide and consciousness and ubuntu I am there because we are because it's almost like like I said it's what we choose to have for ourselves good you know the yeah. good that we want the evtopia how much we have to adhere to that versus philosophy and how much we can't necessarily listen to what we've known so far as a way to get us forward. You get yeah. what I'm saying? With to a certain extent, yeah. It's, it's so, let's see. So I guess the key thing to go like Ubuntu and Lapel du Vide, like if you're, on the, if you're on a mountaintop and you are trying to, you know, you have that urge to jump off and you don't, now we need to start thinking like, why didn't you decide to jump off? Like what, right. what other thoughts in your brain said, I don't want to do that. And most of those thoughts are always due to like your connection to something else, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it could, and it could be that, you know, you have even the most individualistic reasons are always like something you hope to do an experience, something, you know, it's, it's always some thing that's beyond yourself that, right inclines you and you know you, you can look at the people that are suicidal and or they get they get talked off the ledge the things that they talk to those people about are the people that care about them that'll miss them and that you have an attachment to it's all of that is what keeps people mm -hmm. from like not jumping off and so like when you acknowledge that the thing that makes you silence the voice in your head is your connection 
to the world around you, your consciousness, awareness, right? your awareness, your consciousness, it goes into the notion of consciousness. And also in I am because we are, you know, like that person was going to no longer be because he didn't think that the, the we existed anymore. So then you have to articulate that like we are still exists. You are part of a we. And now they say, ah, you know what? I'll stay. And at a very like far less dramatic way, when you have that urge, when you're driving a car, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you're on a, on a ledge, the thing that makes you not do that thing is that you recognize that there's a, there's a we. Right. I'm tied to something else. Exactly. And that's what makes things matter. And so, so to like, to, to connect it with like religion and, and other structures, the we that you're a part of has to be maintained. If you and I say, you know, we're going to do a podcast and we do this one and then we just don't talk about podcasting anymore, then there won't be another podcast. The, the we that's Barrett and Bakari chatting and making a podcast is a thing that we have to exert effort and have discipline to make sure that that Ability. is in the world. Yep. And like we say, it's really simple when it's just like one-on-one, but like everything requires that mm-hmm. amount of discipline. Uh, at the very least, you know, like if you're trying to get in shape or this or that, it's all right. discipline. It's a, right. it's, it's a practice. And I think one thing that's really disturbing, I guess, about like the westernized perspective on philosophy or existence is it's very individualistic. And like the right. philosophy doesn't incorporate that like collective practice component to it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like. Ubuntu is really big in the southern part of Africa. And if you ask people about Ubuntu, they'll, they practice Ubuntu with like everything that they do, you know? Right. Like, like it's the way of life. It's just the way of life. It's a constant practice. I think there's like a video with uh, like Nelson Mandela talking about it. And, you know, like if, if a traveler comes into their town and he needs help, you know, mm-hmm of course they'll give them help because I am because we are. So if I don't view you as a we, as part of the we, then like I'm not me anymore. So of course I'll help you. And then that person gets healthy and they go on their way, you know? And and so with this individualistic conscious, like a conscience concept, there's no really, there's not an emphasis on having a practice. And you can see that with the U.S., how like if someone wants to lose weight, it's like a 30-day thing, or you can take a right. pill, or you can do, what's the quick fix? What's the thing that I can fix this? Right. And, and, you it's know, not an overall lifestyle change for wellness. Right. Because that, requ- that will require a discipline like we've discussed. Exactly. And so like. <laughs> that, would, that would extend beyond that, yeah. Yeah, and so like the the Ram, I I I have to say I haven't watched the Rami show. I plan on because it just got all these Emmy nominations, and everyone said it's yeah. good. But one of the things that's really interesting about Islam is just the amount of discipline it does require. Like you know the the amount you know they want you to pray X amount. You, you do like a fasting. There's an expectation to go on a pilgrimage, and you know you can see that it's very it's very much a community. With what comes to like uh, Christianity. You know, the core practice is just showing up to church. Uh, mm-hmm. You do that once a week, but still, like, plenty of people don't do that. We have, like, uh, an idea 
where there's no practice. There's no like yeah. community. It's all like, if I just think that I'm good at uh, Christianity or something, then I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it. My conscience has <laughs> told me. My conscience told yeah. me I'm good to go. Don't have to do anything. You know, it's interesting. Um, this may be a little bit of a side note, but um, I was watching a documentary on Amish people and why people leave Amish communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically saying how, like, it's based on an interpretation of the Bible that they don't necessarily even read the Bible to validate the interpretation of what's been taught to them. So they have like community leaders that say, this is what the Bible says, and this is what you should do. But they don't enforce actually reading and interpreting the Bible for what it is. They just say, this is what you do. This is what we've done. This is our tradition. So their people often leave the community because it's like, well, there's something that pulls me out of this that's pulling me out of this that I have to find. And then they go and find, they, they leave the community and it's a tough thing for them to do, but you know, it's often, it's probably the same thing that you're saying, you know, do they stay, do they stay versus their heart or do they leave versus their heart or whatever. But I just wanted to draw that conclusion of how like they're following an idea as well that they don't necessarily have to or fully understand or build a practice around. Yeah. And like, frankly, the practice that I've developed of writing the word every week is quite helpful for me because, you know, like I've been, I've known the word lapel du vide or the phrase before I officially considered myself a philosopher. And so seeing that how this word, this phrase that I already like really like already connects to what I, I, I cultivate and practice is, is fascinating because when you realize you're not jumping off the cliff, because you aren't just an individual, you're part of something else. Now the question is, what's that something else? Why do I like it? How do I sustain it? What are the practices? What are the beliefs? And like, and that's largely where philosophy comes in. You know, I read this, this book a while ago, and it makes sense to view religion as a philosophy, you know? Right. And if you look at Absolutely. Eastern, like Asian religious beliefs, like philosophy and religion are far more interwoven. And there are like, right. you know, a decent amount of Christian philosophers too, but we don't really think of them as, as philosophers. Right. More like, you know, they've become saints or whatever. Right. Know. They're religious figures. Right, right, right. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, it's this, this quest of creating like a practices and beliefs at scale that if people do them and believe in them, helps them have like the most fulfilled, you know, life that they can have. And, you know, you can't, like Lapel David makes it really clear that if you think your life will be fulfilled as like by being incredibly individualistic and following what your head, what your, what your brain thinks, there's a very high likelihood that your brain's going to tell you to do something that's going to be cataclysmic and you need that, like an external collective check to right. know to when it. to like tell your brain to shut up. You know, that's very interesting. So how does lapel du relate to today? You know, how do you see the correlation to like current events? Well, the U S gives a really good example. Cause uh, like, we people are just jumping into the void here like every day like covid is 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 probably the most stark example where 
there are plenty of people whose brains are telling them that this deadly pandemic isn't going to harm them and that they can go out and act normal and, and do stuff to jumpstart the economy or, or, or all that kind of jazz. And like, that's just crazy. And, you know, people think like that because they are saying that their thoughts are always on point. (laughs) Right. Against, against the greater community or what what the greater community is telling them. Cause that also made me think about how many people, um, are like investing in the stock market and it's like constantly going up as people are like, as coronavirus gets worse and worse and worse and our like economic standing gets worse and worse and worse. Totally. Like the rich, the rich people are going to find a way to make an outrageous amount of money during COVID because right. <laughs> that, that, that's just what they do. That's what we do. Right. It's like, that's what, that's what they do. You know, that's a whole other conversation where like the government is supposed to, you know, the role of the government is to help the people at scale, not yeah. to just like, Allow help rich the rich and allow rich people to take advantage. Yeah. But you know, it, it's interesting, like that that trickle down effect of our understanding of capitalism and just like getting where you fit in. Because I know plenty of people who have who are now unemployed who have taken their extra six hundred dollars a week and have flipped it into the stock market because it was down and have made a lot of money. And it's interesting to see that happen in a way because it's almost like I see a lot of people also like breaking free. And, and it's like, oh, wow, like I'm actually in a better position now than I was before then following this method of getting here, you know? Yeah. So like America has a, just a perverse concept of capitalism because like we're going there, but like yeah. American capitalism was based around exploitation. Like right. that's it. There's no, but like the point of capitalism and this is, and it's funny, like, you need a Marxist analysis to get it, but like capitalism. Mm-hmm. So we all have money, money, like little pieces of paper, money or whatever. Right. Or like now they're just like numbers that we check on a computer. Right. But, but like money and capital are different. Capital mm-hmm. is money in movement. All right? right. And that's, we're always going to have it. Like we create money for it to move, but like money doesn't have any value until I give it to you in exchange for something. Because right. like, like that stack of money I have, if the economy shifts or whatever, the value of that money- Fluctuates. Fluctuates. Right, but what and I then, received. <laughs> and, then, and then once you get it, once I give it to you, then it becomes, it has like an official value, but the perceived value always changes, mm, even right. though the money's just like sitting there doing nothing. So capitalism yeah. is just the, the exchange of money. That's really what it yeah. is. It's not, there's nothing like inherently sinister with that exchange of money. What the problem is, is that the U.S. has made that exchange of money and put that above human life. Yes. Like, like we will, like the notion of destroying human life in order to exchange money, that's always been perceived as like a beneficial thing in America because mm-hmm. the translate slave trade was that. The idea of like forcing indigenous people off their property and killing thousands upon thousands of indigenous people so that people could like make money. America's okay. always condoned that. So like capitalism is just like inherently sinister here because we've, mm-hmm. we've prioritized exchanging money over human life. But then you throw in the fact, and this goes into like the, the I am because we are concept. We don't have like a social fabric. 
Like there's no, yeah. like the notion of socialism or that the government needs to regulate the exchange of money to ensure that that money is being exchanged in a way that's beneficial for the collective good. This is not a thing that America thinks about because like we've always exchanged money with the goal of harming other people. The amount of America's social fabric that's based around just putting black people in a position that makes it easy for white people to extract money from them and for white people to live off of that perpetual monetary extraction. That's all we know. That's all America's ever known. And so right now, people are acting sinister with money. Right. It's going to happen in America because America's always told people to act sinister with money. But we've also never created our government to tell people to stop acting awful with their money. And so like the check that we're supposed to have, the like the, the we are part, mm-hmm. don't have it because America's never going to have it. You know, right. you look at the founding of the country. If they cared about we are, black people would have been people. Right. A long time ago. Never would <laughs> happen. We still fighting over the idea that we're people. Yeah. And so, so like the stock market's going to do what it does. Um, yeah. And people are going to like use it to exploit other people, whether they're intending to or not. The system right. is made for people to profit off of exploitation because we just live in like a, a pretty sinister place. Um, I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. But so my last question for you is kind of opaque and broad, but you know, in all the ideas that we've expressed of Lapel Duvide, is it a good or a bad thing? Or is it a positive or a negative? Or how do we like interpret it in our life? Like is it that I should not be listening to myself? Is it that this or what? It, or is it just like I have a word and now I can identify? Yeah. So I, the key thing is to kind of break free from the from the the good or bad perception mm-hmm. of yourself. Like you just are yourself. The thing that makes you good isn't I think I I, I think therefore I am. That's not what makes you All good. Right. Your consciousness doesn't make you. Your conscious doesn't make you good. What makes you good is your connection to other people and to the things around you. And so, like, I remember I had a friend, this was in high school, and we were at McDonald's, like, eating or something. Mm-hmm. And some little kid had just got, like, a Happy Meal and was, like, skipping by with, like, their tray with food. And the kid goes by, my friend looks at me, and he says, Barrett, I saw that kid, and all I wanted to do was flip up their tray and have all their food fall on the ground Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And he says, am I a bad person? And I was like, no, you didn't do it. Like if you did it, you're, you'd be a bad person, but you're an asshole. Right. But you didn't do it. You didn't do it. Like if I, Mm. if I determined whether I was good or bad based on all the random thoughts that came up into my head, like I'd probably think I was a bad person because You know, like, because even if it's a 50-50 split, yeah. if half of the thoughts in your head are bad, it's going to be real easy to think that you're a bad person, you know? Right, right, because <laughs> oh, it would trump every other idea that you have right. because of what we perceive negative as, right? At the bare minimum, you'd have to have, like, 90% good ideas and 10% bad to think that you're right. a good person. And no one's going to have that split. No one. Like, right. so it, there's no point of even viewing yourself as to whether you are or aren't, whether you you are good or bad, just innately as an individual. You're good or bad based on how you 
exist and interact with people around you. You know what I mean? And so lapel du vide, it's, it's like a tool. I guess like another good example, if you use like a tool, let's look at like a knife. Like is a knife good or bad? Mm-hmm. Like if you get that knife and you run around and stab a bunch of people with it, well, that's bad. Right. But if you get that knife and use it to like cook a meal and right. like survive, feed yourself, right. Yeah. Feed yourself, knife is perfectly good. And so, yep. so like lapel du vide is a tool that can help you be aware of yourself so that you can do good actions ideally because like you aren't you aren't just what you think you are you are what you do you mm-hmm. know that goes into like a lot of our work is with ex- existentialism you know like which is kind of funny to think about but it's just like a philosophy based on existence it was a philosophy right. that countered the cartesian idea of i think therefore i am if it's about existence it's about action and one of the key components of this is the idea that we are condemned to be free where like freedom requires responsibility it requires awareness it requires effort it's not just your ideas and what you think that makes you free it's like it's what you do and it's a consistent amount of effort and awareness all the time and that requires practices and all that kind of stuff and so it's not good or bad it's Mm -hmm. it's a tool and you as a person aren't good or bad either. Like you're just a person and you make decisions every day about how you want to interact with the people around you and the world. And based on those actions, people can determine if you were good today or if you're good at as a whole and all that, you know? Right. And so like, if I think I'm really good at math and then I take an exam and I get a D, it makes a lot of sense for people to say that I'm not good at math. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're right. Even if, even if I think I'm really good. I'm really good. Right. It didn't come out that way. It didn't come out that way. You know, oh, I'm a bad test taker. Well, uh, nah, you're you bad that. at math. That's that's how we know. Uh so, so well, um, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. I think that wraps up our conversation today on the Pell du Vide on uh language for liberation. Uh so yeah, you know, where can people check us out? You know, we have a we have a new hub for oh. <laughs> of content. So why don't you tell the audience about it? Yeah, we got so much stuff. So, you know, you can get a lot of our just, you can go to our website, scl.community and check it out. Not .com, .community. That's a URL. Um, yeah. And on that, we also have our whole podcast, like library, that's SCL Radio. And SCL Radio is also on, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, you know, Apple Music, you know, all the places where podcasts are found. And so you can find our Language for Liberation podcast on that. You can also find our Hip Hop Dialectic podcast where we talk about how a lot of rap is actually talking about ethnocide and, mm-hmm. and also like aspirations for Eftopia. And there's a whole bunch of conversations. We, we have more podcasts coming out. And so, so, yeah. Oh, and to learn more about the word Lapel David and other words, we have a newsletter called The Word which you can subscribe to on our website and it gets sent to your inbox every Sunday at, uh, at 11 a.m. Dope. Yeah, man. Audience, sign up. Uh, I'm a follower. Um, I host a podcast on the planet. But, I uh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, really excited for the work coming out of SEL. Um, really excited for the progress of Language for Liberation. And, you know, thanks for joining me today, Barrett, to talk about Lapel Duvide. 
yeah thanks for thanks i had a great time all right back peace